the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast, the Five Deep Dive. I'm your co-host, Mike Calabrese, and the Jared Zabransky to Mike Chucky Keaton, of course, referring to Mike Ionello here for the Mountain West Preview. We are also joined by the incomparable Colin Wilson from the Action Network as well. We're going to get into everything Mountain West here. It's the last ride with the Mountain and the West Divisions. Next year, they're going to just the top two teams, but this is the last time we get to be a little bit strategic as we go through our season preview. Guys, how you doing? Colin, I know you're always on the move. Let's start with you. Obviously, I said the Sun Belt was my favorite conference, but they don't have San Diego State. I will bet a San Diego State over every single weekend just to see if they can get 19 points on the board. If you have not bet a live total over 17 and a half points on San Diego State, you are not living life the right way. I love our new segment of where in the world is Colin Wilson. I think he should be required <laughs> to be somewhere different each episode, but I don't want to spoil anything later on in the show, but Colin, this might be the first year your San Diego state overs actually hit. So it's, this mm-hmm. is a big year for you. Aztec overs. All right. Why don't we jump in to the action here? We got lots of teams to discuss. There's been a ton of movement in the transfer portal in this particular conference. So there's, you know, that first week for most casual fans when they turn the games on, they are not going to see the familiar faces from the 2021 season. In a lot of cases, they're going to see guys they think should be on Nevada that are actually in Colorado State. We'll get to that in just a moment. Starting in the Mountain Division, the favorites here at plus 225 to win the Mountain West. Eight and a half wins for their win total. Referring, of course, to the Boise State Broncos. S&P Plus has them pretty split in terms of quality defense 14th for their projection. They returned nine starters on that side of the ball, 72nd offensively and Tim Plow, you know, he was a rising star coming out of the FCS ranks. There was a lot of optimism that he get this offense cooking to the old Boise state ways. But last year, the offensive line did not hold up. Bachmeyer was under pressure constantly. Halani gets hurt. Now they get to do a refresh. They bring back two all mountain West conference linemen, They have some solid depth there. They bring in a Washington State transfer to potentially play left tackle. Halani is healthy again, at least to start the season. But they're going to have to do a lot on the perimeter. Aside from Cobbs, they lose Khalil Shaker. And this year, it doesn't start easy for them. Three of their first four are on the road. They open in Corvallis against Oregon State, then New Mexico, UT Martin, and UTEP. When I look back on the team last year before I kick it to you guys, it was interesting to me that, you know, the perception was it's a huge step back for Boise State. Andy Avalos did, you know, couldn't rekindle the magic that so many of the coaches have been passing the baton from years past. But five-point loss to UCF, one-point loss to Oklahoma State, 10-point loss to Nevada. That was really the only time all season that they were fully outclassed. Air Force by a touchdown, San Diego State by nine. You could probably see one or two of those games going in their direction. Their bowl game gets canceled. So I think for as powerful a brand as they are in the Mountain West, I think they're kind of laying in the weeds here. What are your thoughts on the Broncos going into this season? Is this a team you're buying on to get things right offensively, Colin? Boise State is priced properly. So, you know, I'm not going to have a play on their over-under. I make it 9.2. I think SP Plus makes it 9.4. So you would think that you want to take the over. The reason why I'm laying off of this number, this is the toughest schedule of offenses per SP Plus. You just take the dump the schedule, look at the offenses, get the average. This is the toughest offensive schedule of any team in the Mountain West. So for me, Boise is a no play, and they've got to get something going on offense. I'm glad they have all their offensive line back, so I'll be watching closely. Ionello, are you any more bullish on them? I know Bachmeyer is not someone that really gets your chili running hot, so maybe if they had a different option there, you'd be more bullish on the, the boys on the Smurf turf? I don't think they win the division. And I'll talk about who I think does. But like you said, I think the defense should be fine. They were nasty last year. They returned a ton. Uh, their pass rush should be really good once again. Secondary is loaded. Defense will not be the issue. 
it's the offense. This low key might be super insulting. Their offense reminds me a lot of that like 2012 Penn State offense where Matt McGloin would just throw up reckless bombs, but Allen Robinson caught them every time. And you're like, wow, this offense looks pretty good. They score a lot of touchdowns. Well, Khalil Shakir is gone. I think Bachmeyer is going to be in trouble without him. He had more than double the receptions and yards than any other receiver on this team. The other big issue, I know Colin loves talking about the offensive line. He gets hit a ton. Their offensive line gives up a ton of hits. And Bachmeyer's had health issues. He usually plays through injury, so he's always just limping for some reason. Uh, George Halani, he's had injury issues. He's missed like 12 games in the last two years. I just don't trust the offense. So I don't think you can win their division with how bad their offense is. I don't trust Bachmeyer at all. I think it's important to couch this in, this isn't necessarily our thought on the team, more so in vis-a-vis their current price. So I, I think we're all in agreement here. At plus 225, I don't want to tie up my money for the whole season for a team that needs a lot of things to go right to rewrite their kind of history offensively, coming off one of their worst offensive seasons in the last 25 years, dating all the way back to their transition to, you know, to big boy football at the Division 1A level. All right, let's transition quickly to a team that I'm more bullish on And this is kind of on my college football bucket list. When I went through, it was last summer, there's a a few things I wanted to see. I wanted to see a group of five team make the playoff. That happens. I'd love to see a defensive player win the Heisman Trophy. No one's really put a a serious run into that. I mean, if Will Anderson can't get serious consideration last year, I'm not sure who can. Another one that I've added to the list, I would love to see a service academy put the fear of God into the playoff committee, go undefeated, put them in an uncomfortable situation in late November with quality wins to say, do we have to take Air Force seriously? Because I am taking Air Force seriously right now. Five to one to win the Mountain West, eight and a half wins as their win total. SP plus, unsurprisingly, not all that impressed with what they're bringing back because it's a service academy, 69th offensive efficiency, 61st on the defensive side of the ball. But for my money, this could be, if everything breaks right, because they have so many returning starters, one of the best Air Force teams, maybe since 85, look at the 98 team that went 12-1. and When you return a quarterback, Kazeek Daniels, leading rusher, Brad Roberts, who I think he had 300 carries last year, talk about being a bell cow. He was somebody who was so physical and allowed their guys on the perimeter when they were going off of that dive to really make some, some hay. Four-fifths of the offensive line return eight of 11 defensive starters. And this is a defense last year. I understand they're buoyed by an offense that eats up the clock. So every single stop is more meaningful in terms of yardage, but they were fifth in total defense, ninth against the run to 18th in sacks. And the, the key for them, and this is really the high variance point for any service academy offense, only 10 giveaways the whole season. If they get close within like two or three of that, to the same amount of giveaways this year. I think they're going to flirt with an undefeated regular season. They got you and I in the non-conference, and that's Northern Iowa. They got Colorado at home. They avoid Fresno. They get Boise State at home. I'm just all in on the Falcons here. Does anyone want to throw cold water on, on my pick? No, there's. I mean, there's no way I'm throwing cold water, but I do think that there's a better bank, better betting angle than the other. So let me go ahead and start off by saying, like, you know, they returned 70% of their offense back. They were, no, they were second in the nation in havoc allowed, which means they didn't have tackles for loss. They didn't fumble the ball. A lot of that is, you know, they're a service academy team. And that's just the way that they run. I am extremely bullish on these guys. My point, my projected number is 9.9 for a win total that's Ooh. an eight and a half. SP plus is about 9.1. And a lot of this goes to, you know, what they return on both sides of the ball with, you know, 94% of the rushing yards are back with Brad Roberts and Zeke Daniels. You know, I think the biggest question is, is if the defense takes a step back with 58% of their tackles uh, and, and their passes defense return. I mean, that's almost been chopped in half, uh, but they did post top 25 numbers and all the five factors that it's important. But here's the reason I like the win total over eight and a half more than I like the conference. And that is because, listen, they don't play Fresno from the West. That's great. That's something that you have to handicap, but they do in the season with San Diego State. They have a revenge game with Utah State that they lost last year. The problem is that game comes after Navy. And if you look at Air Force's history, they've lost three of their last four the week after they've played Navy. Are you really up for you for Utah State and thinking that's a revenge game when you're coming off of a service academy game? I feel much more comfortable with an over eight and a half than I do on the entire Mountain West. Ianello, what are your thoughts on the Falcons? I love them. I don't know that I'm going to play them to win the, the Mountain West, but I actually do like them to win the division, um, which I believe is plus 200 at DraftKings. Shop around, see if you can find that better. But this is why I don't like Boise to, to be in the conference title game, because I think it's going to be Air Force for everything you said. Ezekiel Daniels, Brad Roberts, this offense is going to hum. 
just like it did last year. The defense, you know, they lose Trey Bugs, they lose Demonte Meeks. Those are those are big pieces, but I'm not super worried about the defense. You know, I think service academies. I feel like I don't know if Colin feels this way, but I always feel like returning production like matters kind of the least to service academies because they're just going to plug in like a 24 year old and be fine, especially on defense. Um, and you mentioned it, it's the schedule. It's, you know, they got, I know this doesn't count towards going to the conference title, but the non-con is super easy. They get Navy at home. They get Army in Texas. So they don't have a play a service academy on the road all year. They get Boise State at home. You mentioned they avoid Fresno until the conference title game, which is why I'm not taking them to win it. Um, but I do, I do love, I do love the over and I do love them to win the division. I'm all in on the Falcons. Yeah, and one thing I forgot to mention is when I said that Boise State has the hardest schedule of offenses, Air Force has the easiest schedule of offenses of anybody in the Mountain West. Average SP plus ranking of the offenses on their schedule, 106. So I'm not really worried about the Air Force defense at all. I think you heard it right there. That encapsulates you know, our, our passion for the over on this one. So we'll book that as one of our best bets here right out of the gate. Transitioning to another team that was... Really a surprise down the stretch, as Ionello mentioned at the top, Utah State, plus 750 to win the Mountain West here. Six and a half wins, minus 140 to the over. 73rd in their S&P plus projection on offense, 107th on defense. Listen, these guys went 11-3 and three last year. They bring back Logan Bonner. Obviously, they need to replace Tompkins. But, you know, Anderson has been kind of a miracle worker. And the fact that he brings in talented transfers, particularly at wide receiver, brings in Brian Cobbs from Maryland and Xavier Williams from Alabama. I believe in Blake. So I think he's going to be able to keep this team above that six win threshold. I would actually be surprised if they were at six and six or worse. So I, I think that's why it's juiced in this way. Minus 140 is, is kind of punitive, but I'm probably going to go with the over here. And that's it. like, obviously the defense has a lot of holes. There's going to be some, some issues in terms of replacing what they lost last season, but this is a team that played really well down the stretch, save for that really weird rivalry game against Wyoming where they just didn't show up, but all the way through their bowl game, you know, they beat a, a quality Oregon state team. So I'm surprised that this win total is set here. I get it. They play at Alabama. They play at BYU. Let's just talk those up as two losses. They also get UConn and Weber state in the non-conference. So that's two and two right there. I, I don't necessarily see that as, you know, they're going to get physically beat up so badly by those two top 25 teams that it's going to have a lingering effect on their season. I know. What do you think about Utah state? Were you surprised to see six and a half as the number? I was surprised. I definitely think the regression monster is coming for them. They they're one of those teams that they'd win a lot of games and you're like, how the hell did they win that game? They were, they were good, but very lucky. Sometimes saying they were lucky almost comes off as an insult. I think Blake Anderson is a phenomenal coach. I think guys love him. You saw it at Arkansas State. You saw it as soon as he came to Utah State, how many guys followed him here. You know, obviously, he's got a great story, you know, battling for his wife and stuff like that. So I do think they're well coached, and that contributes to the luck. But they were very lucky, and I think that's coming down to earth. I'm with you. I don't think it comes down that hard. I think they're a bold team, especially with Logan Bonner back. He was with them at Arkansas State, so this is, what, his third or fourth year in, in Anderson's system. Um, they got Levi, Levi Williams transferred over too. So that, that will help. Um, if just in case, you know, something happens, Calvin Tyler's still there. I, I'll probably not play it, but I think you're on the right side with the over. I don't think they fall off that much. Yeah. You know, <laughs> talking about Blake Anderson, uh, high tempo, 11th of the nation, 23 seconds, uh, 23 seconds uh, per play. He moves even faster off the field. If you keep up with that kind of stuff. Uh, listen, this, this whole season is a story in three parts, right? We've got a really, uh, bookended, uh, two easy games around Alabama. There's two buys on this schedule. The middle part of the schedule is absolutely brutal with three road games that include BYU, Colorado state air force is sandwiched in between that. And then they get another bye week and they end the season, New Mexico, Hawaii, San Jose state, and then Boise state. So Really, this schedule comes in three parts. Now, my question about Blake Anderson's system is, is he going to catch any defensive coordinators in the Mountain West by surprise like they did last year? If you've got a defensive line that can rush three and drop eight, you're going to give him a lot of issues. I actually project this at 5.9. I've seen the six and a half out there. And when we talk about regression, second order win total is a really big deal when you're doing win totals uh, for the following season. And that means how lucky were you the year before? They won three games last year by four points or less. Uh, I think uh, regression is big time coming for them. I think these defensive coordinators get to lick their chops uh, and take a shot at this. And so I'm going to say under here, under on the seven. I'm going to disagree with Calgary's here. 
All right, I'll remove my rose-colored glasses for the Aggies and look at a team that I think I could argue for against high school mock debate style. Colorado State coming in 50-1 to to win the Mountain West here. Six wins as their win total. 118th as their projection on offense, just because there's so many faces there. 50th for their defensive efficiency projection for S&P+. Listen, Jane Irvell arrives with seven transfers in his back pocket from Nevada, most notably Clay Millen, a former four-star recruit. But he has, you know, limited experience, is putting it kindly. Tori Horton, Mel, Melquan Stovall, and Ty, I think it's McCulloch, Ty McCulloch, yes. Dante Wright, this receiving core has all the makings of being the deepest receiving core in the Mountain West. So if Millen turns out to be the, the hyped, you know, high school phenom that he's supposed to be, at least by G5 standards, I think you could really see some things happening. Oh, wait, hold on, I'm just hearing... They have zero returning starters in the offensive line. So only one other team nationally that has, is going to pull that off, and it's Virginia, and they have a mobile quarterback, so Brennan Armstrong can run for his life all season long in the ACC. Zero returning starters in the O-line with a redshirt freshman quarterback. All right, I'm starting to reel back the enthusiasm a little bit here. You also look at Michigan and Wazoo in the non-conference. Um, I think they're going to get beat up there. But I, this is a team I'm putting in my back pocket. If they do have a rough September, if Michigan and Wazoo lay big numbers on them and they can't compete, Nevada on October 8th. That's my bounce back game for them. And obviously going to be a rivalry renewed there with Norvell's departure and everything else that went down. Colorado State may be the most interesting team. Maybe not for good reasons. This is a stay away for me. You guys have a play in either direction. When we talk about regression coming up against Utah State and how it's going to hit them this year, it's the opposite for Colorado State. They lost three games by five points or less last year. They were 115th in offensive finishing drives. I know it's a new coach. I know it's a new regime. I know the transfer portal's there. But, I mean, there's just too much change. This was a great number at five or less. At five and a half, you can't take it. Because look at the home wins. Middle Tennessee, Sacramento State, Hawaii, Wyoming, New Mexico. That's five. At five and a half, you can't play it. I don't think you can get to six. It's too much trouble, so I'm going to pass. Yeah, there's just too much uncertainty, like you said. Clemson has, has virtually no experience. They lose their leading rusher, leading receiver. I agree with you. I like what they did in the receiver portal, but it's still all new guys. You know, Norvell's bringing in his, his air raid system. They're switching to a 4-2-5 defense, so they're kind of revamping the entire system. No offensive line, so I'm out. I don't say I'm out on them, but they're definitely a – Wait and see. Like you said, I think I think I'll be on them for sure against Nevada. And then they're, uh, you know, let's, let's see if they get frisky late in the year. Uh, but, yeah, I got nothing for Colorado State. The way that you play Colorado State this year is that you let them get their heads pounded in in September against Michigan and Washington State. You let their power rating fall. And you let the world think that they're garbage. When they come off the bye against Nevada, you just hammer them. All right, speaking of the transfer portal, let's talk Wyoming. They're 50-1 to to win the Mountain West. Five wins as their win total. 119th projection on offense, 78th on defense. The portal giveth, it taketh away, it took away from the pokes. Uh, Wyoming was just decimated in the offseason. Titus Swen is the only thing they have left. They have two returning starters in the offensive line. His backfield mate, uh, Valaday, transfers to Arizona State. I think there's a good chance from a college fantasy perspective, he could be one of those uh, diamonds in the rough, but they're just going to ride him until the wheels come off. And only five returning starters on defense. They were great against the pass last year, but they need to replace both starting cornerbacks. Just everywhere I look, it looks like bad news. You know, new quarterback, lots of issues here. Craig Bowl has been so steady for them in the eight years that he's been in Laramie, but I think this is one I'm going to play under. I'm surprised that they're actually 119th in projection on offense. I think it could be so ugly this year for the Cowboys. Colin, do you think there's any reasons other than what I listed off to maybe view this in a more optimistic light, or am I being rightfully pessimistic here no you're rightfully pessimistic it seems like this entire roster depleted <laughs> and spread out across of all of bs so this is a no play i lean to the under five here it's just a minus 125 i don't like laying minus 125 for entire season unless i really feel good about it i think the one thing i'll say about wyoming is they're in their third year of their defensive coordinator jay sobel and they have gone down in defensive havoc every single season it's going the wrong direction i'm not sure What's going on, you know, with the Craig Bowl era, the, the campaign? I, I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be there uh, unless they, you know, start competing for conference championships. And it ain't going to happen this year. I love the under. I love it. It might be my best bet in the whole conference. This team is going to be so bad. The vibes are just so bad with Wyoming. Because it's not <laughs> just that guy's left for the portal. It's easy to say, okay, Isaiah Nayer had a great year. 
he went to Texas to play in Sark's offense, try to be an NFL prospect. Makes sense. You know, Zayn Holiday, I mean, do you want to go to Arizona State right now? But also, okay, it's power five. Kind of makes sense. Their starting quarterback left to go to Montana State. And then Levi Williams had one good game and was like, I'd rather be the backup at Utah State than stay there another moment. So they had, like, the fact that so much, it has Hawaii vibes. Like, I don't know what Craig Bull's doing, but the fact that every single player on this team was like, I don't want to play here is a huge red flag. Even last year, they won their first four games and then just tanked. They were so bad down the stretch. The vibes are really bad in Wyoming, and I'm hammering the under. All right, Pokes fans, if you're listening, if you feel like we're piling on, don't worry, just in time. Here comes the preview of New Mexico. 100, and, 100 to 1 to win the Mountain West. Two and a half wins, 131st in their offensive projection, which I think is too high, 74th on defense. They scored in the year of our Lord, 2021, 12.2 points per game. They scored fewer than two touchdowns in every 60-minute game that they played in last season. They played six different quarterbacks. Nathaniel Jones, God bless him, for some reason he signed on the dotted line with the Lobos. He wanted to be in the land of enchantment where anything could happen. He's the third highest recruit in program history. For some reason, maybe someone didn't read to him the five, fine print of the transfer portal. You can just leave and go wherever you want, start a whole new life, be happy in a winning program. He decided to stay. That's all they got. If Maine beats them in the opener, and Maine is basically, you know, by FCS standards, you know, they're fine. They're like a team that wins like six or seven games a year. Sometimes they pop up to eight or nine. They'll probably be a seven and five team this year. Maine's got a puncher's chance. If they beat them in this opener, New Mexico is going to go winless this year. And maybe they should just shut the whole program down, go Tarleton State style, go to a, a lower level of football. This is the worst team. This was my pick of the year last year. I picked Boise State to cover, I believe it was 28 points as a favorite against them last year. Boise won 37-0. It was such a joy to bet against an offense that incompetent. They have no no reason for optimism this year. Two and a half. I'm going to go the under just because it's very rare I bet an under on a team this low. And I know that a lot of us got burned last year by Louisiana Monroe. I'm going to go back to the well. I'm going under on the Lobos here. What do you think, Colin? 100% with you. Uh, I was at Big Ten Media Days getting uh, the prep going in for this. And I said, holy cow, I got to get a dime down and going against the Lobos. I, what is this projection? Tell me if I'm crazy here. They're going to be favored like by five and a half over Maine. All right. And then you look, what is the only other winnable game on the schedule? New Mexico State. You're not beating New Mexico State. Jerry Kill's got to go in there. We're not going to have an independent podcast, but let me just throw out some love. On the award-winning action app, I've already taken them against Nevada, taking the 13 points. Go find that number. I think they can win that game outright. And in this game, they shouldn't be an underdog, but they might be a pick or an underdog. They can win this game against New Mexico. You say, Colin, how can this team be this bad? Danny Gonzalez as a head coach covered one game last year. One game. Now, even the odds makers can't catch up with how bad Danny Gonzalez is doing. I mean, him and Rocky Long, they can coach defense all day. This is the third different offense in their third year. They don't have the personnel. They don't have the pieces. Less than 45% returning on both sides of the ball. Find me three games on this schedule, right? I understand the ULM, all right? It's easy in the Sun Belt. This isn't the Sun Belt, all right? I understand that last year, but this is, they are god-awful. If UMass is worse than them, put the two teams in a bowl. I've got to see it played. I'll take five and a half points with him. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the Sun Belt. This is like the total opposite where the Sun Belt, I felt like there was, you know, we could make an argument for probably what, seven maybe teams to win the Sun Belt. You could make an argument for like three teams to win the Mountain West. And the bottom half of the Mountain West is so bad. So there's going to be some juice win totals throughout the, the top of this conference because the bottom half of the Mountain West is so bad. And we'll continue to talk. That'll be the theme of this podcast is just, we're just going to continue to be like, this team is horrible. <laughs> We're at the halfway mark here. We get, you know, a bit of a palate cleanser. We switch from the mountain to the West division. We're looking at good teams again. We're looking at arguably the best team in the mountain West. That's Fresno state. They're coming in at two to one, maybe get plus two twenty-five. You shop around a little bit, eight and a half wins minus one forty juice to the over SP plus projection, 27th offense, 58th on defense. Jeff Tedford's back in the San Joaquin Valley, baby. And he's got Jake Hayner, a really talented group of wide receivers headlined by Jalen Cropper. 
The defense was decent last year and returns virtually their entire back seven intact, headlined by Evan Williams at safety. They have a super manageable stretch run at the end, Hawaii, at UNLV, at Nevada, home against Wyoming. That looks pretty nice. So then, uh, honestly, as I'm going through the schedule, I went you know back to front. Looking at the way that it closes, I start to turn my attention. Could this be the New Year's Six representative from the G5 class? They open Cal Poly, nice little preseason game, Oregon State, and then they travel to the Coliseum to play USC. I'm not going to say much more because I know you love this team. You love this quarterback, Ionella. So I want to give you plenty of room to create your own offense here. Tell me why Fresno State's going to win the conference and why they're probably going to be finally the breakthrough Mountain West team for that New Year's Six bid. Jay Kaner season in full effect. Lock it up. Plus 300 to win the conference. Not the best number. I don't care. I'd play them at plus 100 because they're winning the conference. And winning a plus 100 is better than not winning it. I love this team. I, I don't think we can qualify Jake Hayner as the Bailey Zappi Memorial winner because Zappi we were on when no one knew who he was. I might buy a Jake Hayner Heisman ticket just for fun. I'm all in on this team. We talked about, you know, their only real loss is Ronnie Rivers. Jordan Mims pretty much outplayed him down the stretch anyway. Yep. So is it really a loss? He was kind of the backup by the end of the year. Jalen Cropper was second in the conference in, in receptions. He's probably the best receiver in the whole conference now with Romeo Dubs gone. They bring back Josh Kelly. Evan Williams, probably the best safety in the conference. Their defense was really good last year. You mentioned it. They have a new head coach. Is there any head coach in the country with you know less of a question mark than Tedford just stepping into his old team? They finished ninth in the country in passing last year. I think this is going to be one of the best offenses, probably the best offense in the G5. The rest of this conference, we talked about it, is so bad. If Jake Hayner stays healthy, the sky's the limit for this team. I'm all in on the Bulldogs. It's important to go back and look at the Tedford run here when he was for, here from 2017 to 2019. He went 7-1 and one against the spread when he was an underdog. Uh, he is a great coach when his back is up against the wall. Over 8.5 is the play for me. Since I power rated 9.2, and I believe SP Plus has it at 10.3, I feel much more comfortable with an over 8.5. This is the easiest schedule in college football when it comes to November. Hawaii, UNLV, Nevada, Wyoming. So I feel much more comfortable with an over eight and a half than I do taking this odds. So and they absolutely should be where they are in the odds market as far as winning the Mountain West. This is not a number that I want to get into when I think the win total has a better chance of you know, cashing my ticket. When they post Fresno USC, listen, I don't care if that number is 77 or 81. Lay it. Don't even think about it on Sunday night. You say, God damn, the Fresno USC opener came at 77 and a half. Lay it over. For reference, Fresno State UCLA last year was 40 to 37. And Jake Hayner was playing on one leg. And I did call that upset just to, to give the <laughs> group of five deep dive the juice it deserves. They almost beat Oregon too. I know. They were, they were right there. All right. Let's transition to easily my favorite, what I like to affectionately refer to as half team of the Mountain West, that's San Diego State, plus 750 to win the Mountain West Conference, seven and a half wins as their win total, minus 140 in the juice on over. And why do I call them a half team? Well, offensively, S&P Plus, they're 117th. Defensively, they're 12th. That is tied for the largest differential in all of college football coming into the season with second reference this time for the, the Wahoos of Virginia. So they could be playing in some high-scoring games to flip it around. San Diego State, listen, um, Braxton Bur Burmeister, he's in at quarterback, a new quarterback for the fourth straight year. Jesse Matthews and Tyrell Shavers, actually a pretty solid one-two punch if they get some competent quarterback play. So like, I, I'm starting to feel maybe like single digits for the offense, maybe get them into the 90s a little bit. And then defensively, I know Cam Thomas is out on D, but Justice Tavai comes in from Hawaii on the D-line. Cooper McDonald comes in from Washington at linebacker, joins an already very experienced defense and one of my favorite defense coordinators in the entire country, Kurt Maddox, he's going to make it all go. It's going to be very similar defensively. I think teams are going to have a difficult time finishing drives against the Aztecs. I like them over this win total. I just can't do it to myself being forced emotionally to watch this offense just sputter for the entire year. Maybe, maybe Burmeister's the guy, but I watched multiple quarterbacks try to be the guy last year and none of them really had any success. I know this is one of these sadomasochistic things you like to do to yourself, Colin, just, you know, betting the over yeah. live. I know you're going to do the same thing this fall. Where's your optimism going into the season? 
Well, the fact that our punt god, Matt Ariza, is no longer with the teams that the offenses are going to face is going to get better field position and a better chance to score. So Colin Wilson is not stopping on betting the over in San Diego State games whatsoever. I think what I'm kind of disappointed in is they're opening up this new Snapdragon Stadium. In case you didn't know, they were always driving over an hour to play home games. But the problem is they're at Boise. They're at Fresno. So they don't get the biggest games that they need at home. Jordan Bird, kick returner, punt returner, might be the, one of the best specialists in all of the G5, maybe in the nation. Burmeister is really why I'm optimistic about taking in-game overs and pre-game overs because he had two years at Oregon, two years at Virginia Tech. Last year, he finally figured it out, a 14-4 to TD to INT ratio. He had double the number of big-time throws than turnover he plays. He had the highest average depth of target in his career last year at Virginia Tech. I'm kind of bullish on Burmeister, but the problem is I projected 7.2, no play on 7.5, but you can bet you're going to see a lot of Aztecs come to the action app this year. I feel like I was the the resident San Diego State hater last year. I, I was always down on them. <laughs> I'll be honest. I love Colin Stock. I rolled my eyes every time Colin started talking about San Diego State over us. So I was like, he's just he's going he's gonna to throw away his money. He could just Venmo me. He might be on to something this year. I think Burmeister is a massive upgrade over Brookshire and Johnson. You know, obviously we can look in hindsight and say it was a stupid decision and probably got him fired. But Justin Fuente basically picked Burmeister over Hendon Hooker. And Burmeister wasn't that bad. You know, he took 14 touchdowns, four interceptions. You mentioned Jesse Matthews and Tyrell Shavers returning. I think this is huge for Tyrell Shavers. I, when I was going to do my notes this year, I was looking at my notes from last year. And I had Shavers written down last year as a breakout candidate. He really wasn't because that often they just couldn't throw the ball. He's, this is a six foot six former four star recruit coming from Mississippi State, started at Alabama. I think Burmeister is going to really open up Tyrell Shavers, really start pushing the ball downfield, something San Diego State could not do at all. And, you know, we know what this defense is going to be. It's been nasty every year. They either lose Cameron Thomas. Uh, one thing you didn't even mention, Breeze, about Tavai and Cooper McDonald coming over is they came over to join their brothers, who are probably the two best players already on this defense. So I love yeah. that fact, you know, family connection. I think that's super fun. I do like the over, and I hate San Diego State, but I love, I'm love. i taking over seven, seven and a half, and I love the new Snapdragon Stadium. I think it's going to be awesome having that right downtown. I think, I think I, I'm all in on, on the Aztecs this year, and I'm usually not. Has there ever been a team in the country where losing their punter is significantly more important than the fact that they lost their quarterback? Matt Ariza, you will yeah. always be number one in our hearts. And Mrs. Ariza, if you're still listening, appreciate it. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, all that good stuff. Uh, San Jose State, 20-1 to 1 to win the Mountain West. Six and a half wins as a win total, minus 130 juice to the under. 101st uh, S&P Plus projection on offense, 59th defense. Cordero comes in from Hawaii, rows his boat to the mainland's. Can he be an established quarterback for him? Joining him, Elijah Cooks, uh, the Nevada transfer, nine starters back from a pretty solid defense last year that was really good at stuffing the run. They were five and four last year. They looked like a bowl team out in the Mountain West. They lose their last three games. Really not that competitive in those three. They arguably have the best defensive line in the conference, which is interesting in terms of their overall talent. And then when you look at the start to the season, I think it's critical for them to get off to a two and one start. They get Portland State, they get Auburn, then a bye week. Then they play a Western Michigan team who potentially could give them some issues uh, when Western Michigan has the ball. Uh, I don't know. Six and a half feels right. I feel like this is a bowl team, so it's probably a pass for me. But Cordero, to me, having watched him at Hawaii, everything that went wrong with Todd Graham's regime, there's still certainly the flashes. He had a strong arm. He was a very solid runner as a dual threat. So can they put it all together for San Jose State team that two years ago was a darling? You don't even have to look that far back to see them put it all together. So I'll start with you, Ionella. What are your thoughts on the Spartans here, maybe rekindling a little of that 2020 magic? I don't want to tease anything what's coming next, but I did see a certain play come in the Action Network app from a certain Colin Wilson that scares the hell out of me. So I may back off my take. Anyone who listens to the podcast last year knows I hate Chevon Cordero. He stinks. He's so inaccurate. He he's so bad at throwing footballs. He completed like 50% of his pass last year, 17 touchdowns, 11 picks. I just don't like him. I don't think they're that good. I think you know they lose three offensive linemen. Their offense was so bad last year. And I don't I don't see how it gets better with Cordero. You know, I'm sure Colin hates Nick Starkle as an Arkansas guy, but <laughs> I don't think Cordero is better than Starkle. So the defense should still be fine. So that will help them. You know, Kate Hall's back, Kyle Harmon's back. But this offense, I think, is just going to be really bad again. The reason why Starkle was so good when he first got there is because of quarterback coach Ryan Gunderson, who left CLA last year, and Dorian Thompson Robinson had the best year of his career 
for the Bruins. And I think it was all because of quarterback plays. So that's why there was a little bit of a dip in what Starkle did. This is the highest TARP number on offense and defense. From transfer portal and a returning production, 82% on offense, 76% on defense. Nobody in the entire Mountain West is as high as them. So they got a massive power rating boost for me. And then when you go past that, yes, they do play you know, in their division at Fresno, at San Diego State. But there's no Boise and there's no Air Force from the mountain on this schedule. That makes this one of the easier schedules in the entire conference. I think the problem that I have with the schedule is that they play 10 consecutive games. Their bye week is on September 17th. Who the hell set that up? Listen, I love Siobhan Cordero. He's a guy that's made Cole McDonald sit down. You know, anybody that can uh, see, uh, see Cole McDonald on the bench and, and show, you know, what he's got. I like him. And I, I do think a lot of that was Todd Graham because – the strength of Siobhan Cordero was really his legs and his running game. And, you know, he just got confused on whether he was allowed to leave the pocket or not. The offensive line returns just 50% of their snaps. That's going to allow Cordero to actually get outside the tackles and make something happen. They return over 80% of their passing yards, their rushing yards, and they're going to be heavy favorites early. Portland State, Western Michigan, New Mexico State. They're going to be comfortable favorites over UNLV, Nevada, Hawaii. Then there's a handful of coin flip games. So tell me why this is at 6.5. Don't gasp, guys. Don't gasp. I've got this win total at 9.2. And it's two wins. That is two Whoa. wins higher than SP. That is two wins higher than SP plus at 7.2. So I, I have shed two dimes over six and a half plus 115. I don't expect it to be plus 115 anymore. But look at the schedule. There are six games on this schedule where they are comfortable, comfortable favorites. Can they win the Mountain West? Probably not going to Fresno and San Diego State. But there are six easy the mid-range comfortable more than one possession wins on this schedule. So you just, I need one coin flip. It's going to happen. You are much smarter than me, but that is nine wins is insane. (laughs) I'm sorry. Have you gone and look at Brent Brennan's against the spread record since he's gotten there? He's fantastic. He's an amazing coach. This guy has made something out of absolutely nothing. Cordero is nothing. So maybe, maybe he'll do it again. (laughs) All right. Before the whole show goes off the rails, one follow-up question, because I'm not familiar with the, uh, the construction progress on their campus. I know they were playing in that like half carved out stadium slash parking lot last year. They like 75% or they're going to be fans on both sides of the field. No, I think there's going to be fans on the side of the field. And then I'll, I'll throw a shout out to the Matrix Casino right next to it. It's the worst casino in the state of California. <laughs> All right. See, that's why we go to Colin because he's got deep, deep cut tidbits like that. All right. We got three teams left. Spoiler alert. They're not very good. Nevada, 50 to one to win the Mountain West. Four and a half wins as their win total. 121st projection on offense. 103rd on defense. Oh. They have six returning starters. Not on offense or defense. Total. They have six returning starters. I mean, I made the reference earlier in terms of teams getting gutted by the portal, you know, Wyoming having so many players leave. 45 players exited this roster, 45, 33 of which still had eligibility remaining. Now, Ken Wilson takes over for Norvell. Ken Wilson has been a football coach as long as I've been alive. He was a GA at North Central College D3 in Illinois in 1986. This is his first head coaching job. I'm not trying to throw dirt on this guy's grade before he coaches a single game. But there's a reason why I got this job. It's because he's a Nevada lifer. He's been an assistant in the program for over 20 years, but he's totally screwed in this spot. This is such a bad roster to walk into, whether it's Nate Cox or Shane Illingworth. It doesn't matter. They're going to get by probably. You know what? Actually, they're not going to get by New Mexico State. They're going to be in a dogfight. They're going to lose. Incarnate word, that's a win. Sure. But after that, they, they're facing Iowa, Air Force, they're going to make Iowa look like a high-flying offense. This team is in huge trouble. Four and a half is my, I'm going to have to start titling this, the Arkansas State underplay of the, the season. This doesn't make any sense. I'm going under it on Nevada. Anyone, I, I, I think just to balance that, I know, do you have them projected for seven wins this year? Just trying to <laughs> try to balance out the pod. What are your thoughts on the Wolfpack? No, they, they're going to be bad. Oh, and I'm I'm saving my Arkansas State under of the conference for the next team we're going to talk about. But yeah, they lost everybody. And I will say, I know you, you kind of poo pooed over Ken Wilson. Shame on you. Nevada fans do seem super excited about him. He is a Nevada lifer. He was an assistant coach there for 19 years, two different sins. In between that, he was the associate AD. So he was the Oregon uh, defensive coordinator last year. So I will say, it does seem like Nevada are very excited about him so they're gonna suck but i'm gonna try to be positive they probably have the best kicker in the conference so 
Who had a better roster going into the season? This Nevada roster or the Texas State fighting armadillos in 1991 movie Necessary Roughness? Well, they had the best kicker by far in the history of college football. So I'm going to correct answer. that. Daffy Iowans, absolutely. You know how to play winning hard-nosed football? Play like a goddamn wild man. No, like a goddamn rampaging beast. And that's the way you're going to do it. You go out there, you tear their fucking heads off, and you shit down their necks. Let us pray. I mean, listen, guys, this is the biggest underplay uh, in the entire conference of the entire podcast. If you have a deliverable, find a five and bet the under. And I could go through the schedule and I could bore you with TARP numbers. I could bore you with a ton of shit, a lot of analytics. But let me just be honest. Ken Wilson wants to run the ball in a place where all they've done lately is pass the ball. The new offensive coordinator is Derek Sage. He was at UCLA. That's a team that loved lining up multiple running backs, play action to the tight end. There is nothing about running go routes in this offense that is coming up. So we're getting a complete scheme change. Not only is Jay Norville gone, he took all the players via transfer portal, non-scholarship players in the two deep on defense, under five. I don't know how odds makers are setting that number. I've hit it a few times. The juice is moving. I guarantee by the time we kick off, it is not going to be five. Go grab it. All right, moving on to the bottom of the barrel here in the Mountain West, West Division. UNLV, 100 to one to win the whole thing, four and a half as their win total minus 130 to the under. The projection on offense is pretty ugly, 114th. Doesn't get much better on defense, 94th. Listen, they were 2-10 and 10 last year, but they were 2-2 two and two down the stretch, so you can look at that in, in a positive light. They threw a scare into San Diego State. Harrison Bailey walks through the door. I know they've been through this many times, had their heart broken by the transfer portal and this savior quarterback that's supposed to come in. Big kid, big arm, got kind of a, a raw deal at Tennessee, potentially. You know, he could have gone a lot of places, a lot of big-name programs, but he's here at UNLV. They have a lot of returning experience from a defense that could crawl their way into the 80s in major metrics. I, I think that's reasonable. The offensive line also went from god-awful in 2020 to just regular bad last year. So, And they returned four starters there. Maybe they're okay. They grab Idaho State, North Texas, and New Mexico at home. Could be three wins. Still looking at four and a half as the win total. So where did they get the rest of those? You could also look optimistically. Utah State. Texas, San Antonio, and San Diego State, all close losses last year. So are they on the cusp as Arroyo positioned them to turn the corner with great facilities? Obviously, their, their stadium is, is gorgeous. They should be you know, on the rise. But this season, they got to get to at least five or six wins to build on that positive momentum. I'll kick it to you first, Ionello. You were teasing this. Is this one of your big underplays? It's not, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, Here we go. So there is some options. I'm, I'm bullish on UNLV. I don't know that I can convince myself to bet they're over, but I would do it before I bet the under. And they're definitely a team I'm going to pick spots to bet this year. Maybe I'm a sucker. I am high on Harrison Bailey. Depending on where you look, Rivals had him as a five-star. Rivals had him as the second quarterback in the country. They had him above CJ Stroud. And sure, you can say that was probably wrong, but okay, 24-7 had him third right behind CJ Stroud. And even... I do think he kind of got screwed at Tennessee because Jeremy Pruitt kept trotting out Jarrett Garantano for God knows what reason. And when he did play Harrison Bailey, he completed 70% of his passes in just six, in six games. He looked good. I, wa I watched some of his games where he got in and I thought he threw the ball well. And, you know, even if Harrison Bailey doesn't pan out, you know, Cameron Friel was the Mountain West freshman of the year last year. Doug Brumfield is still there too. So they have a deep room. Uh, they have Kyle Williams was the uh, receiver who was the 2020 Mountain West freshman of the year. Uh, he was the leading receiver last year. They bring in Ricky White, who was a transfer from Michigan State. He was Harrison Bailey's high school teammate, uh, and he was actually pretty good at Michigan State. He torched. I think he had like 200 yards against Michigan last year. So I do kind of like the moves they've made on offense. And yeah, they were bad last year, but I don't know. I feel like if you watch them, they were like, they were friskier than we thought they'd be. And that sounds like a nice way of saying they were bad, but they were. And the defense was bad. But if they can just improve on offense, as bad as this Mountain West is, there's going to be toss up games between, you know, Nevada, Hawaii. Like these are games that are winnable now that maybe you, we didn't think would be. I don't know that I'm going to play it, but I'm probably going to bet them in like those games. I do I'm like going to go and tee this up for Colin with a going to the Wayback Machine for the trivia question. Do you know the last bowl game that UNLV won, Colin? Arkansas. I don't even have to look. I already yeah. know because they, I was, that was just, mean. I was just that was mean calibrate. I mean, I, I was just I was just discussing it the other day. They lost the they won the 2000 uh, Las Vegas Bowl against Arkansas, and then they opened up in Little Rock 
in 2001 against Houston Nutt and Arkansas beat them. And I believe their head coach at the time refused to get on the bus. Long story for later, uh, things that you learn in media days. I will say that conversation happened with a guy that's the executive director of the Las Vegas Bowl. And I was promised to get on the field and pull the lever on the Rebel Roller. So I'm just going to say bucket list, have kids, greatest moment of my life. Rebel Roller is going to be right there with it if I can get on that field and pull it. Here it comes. The Rebel Roller just unveiled today. A giant slot machine used in the wake of any UNLV score or turnover forced. And the first to pull the lever is the chuck wagon, Charles Williams. Now listen, the reason UNLV is never going to be able to get over the hump is because of their head coach, Marcus Royal. Justin Herbert was never allowed to throw in standard downs. He was never allowed to throw on first down. He was never allowed to throw on second down. He was only allowed to throw on, on third down. You have a generational talent and you neutered him. And Marcus Arroyo is a guy I will never bet on to go over a win total. And the only time I was betting on them last year is because Doug Brumfield was in the game and he could do things with his legs that Marcus Arroyo can't control. UNLV is pesky, but they're held back by the guy that's calling everything. I like to think that I stoked the fire a little bit there with the Arkansas reference, but you did not disappoint. I always like when we can disagree a bit here. This last one, hopefully we don't all pile on the poor Rainbow Warriors, but we're going to finish up the pod with why. Also, somehow 100 to 1 should be 500 to 1. Their win total is 4, minus 130 to the over 107th projection on offense, 122nd on defense. All right, let's, let's start with the, the warm and fuzzies. Welcome home, Timmy Chang. You're, you're back where you belong. They're playing in their little band box. I think it's 9,000 seats, the Clarence T.C. Ching Complex. That's adorable. Maybe they could, you know, fill that up for a game or two. But when you start to look at the personnel, it's going to take a new quarterback, new system, new skill position players. Diedrich Parson is the only thing they have going on offense. He's, he's a hard runner. He's probably going to put up some decent numbers, you know, total offense. And the opener in week zero, they're playing Vandy, should be a pillow fight. Maybe they can get a win there. After that, they draw Western Kentucky and Duquesne on the island. So, like, maybe if just everything goes right and they they get the, the turnover luck in their favor, they could steal two or three wins early on. But after that, you know, I think they're going to revert to some of the bad Hawaii teams of years past where when they go to the mainland, they just get absolutely slaughtered. I'm going to stay away from this. I've always had a soft spot for Hawaii. I love to play them when they're on the up and up. This team is its going to take a while. It's going to take the transfer portal. It's going to take, you know, convincing some of the homegrown talent in the state of Hawaii to, you know, take one for the team and play for the Rainbow Warriors. It's going to take multiple years to get this in the right place. So it's a stay away from me here. What are your thoughts on Hawaii? Let's start with you, Ayanella. This is the Arkansas State Rainbow Warriors. They suck. And I love Timmy Chang and I hate, by the way, I don't think there's a team in the country. And it seems like if you like, especially on Twitter, the whole country feels this way. Is there a team in the country that like your brain just can't get off? Like when you see Hawaii, you think Timmy Chang and Cole Brennan, like everyone bets them. Like it's still 2006 and it's like, no matter what happens, it's just, Oh, bet the over. It's Hawaii. it's like, they've been bad for a, a few years now and they're going to be really bad. They lost, their offense lost everybody, everybody. Eight of their top 10 tacklers are gone. I love you, Timmy, but this season is going to be brutal. Um, I already bet they're under. I bet it at four and a half. They're still playing in a practice facility. They're, they're, they're going to have 100 people there. They have Obviously, they have a little bit of home field advantage because of the travel, but they have no home field advantage. They're going to be bad, and I love the under. One of the worst home field advantages in all of college football. I put out a piece every year where I look at the last 10 years of year against the spread at home, which is how odds makers should give you home field advantage. And Hawaii is absolutely the worst. They have not been covering the spread at home over the last 10 years. And we'll see what they do in their new stadium. But it's just not an advantage. You, you would think so with teams flying out there. We need a betting deliverable here. So I'm not going to give you a win total. I'm not going to give you a conference future on Hawaii. I will say that on the Action Network, I'll have a piece coming out that looks at the week zero, week one biggest mismatches on the board. Hawaii and Vanderbilt are just that. Hawaii's offense only returns 20% of their passing yards from last year and only 44% of their offensive line snaps. Vanderbilt coming in with 72% of the pressures that they generated last year, 69% of their passes defense from last year. Their defense is absolutely going to lock down Hawaii. There's just too much experience on the Vanderbilt side of the ball. There is a six and a half out there. A lot of people have moved to seven. It's a number I power rate at 10, and I expect to float over seven and get up that high. Maybe the day of kick. 
but that's the number that I expect to float it up to. So get those six and a halves in on Vanderbilt as a play against Hawaii. It is six and a half at FanDuel, and it is locked in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to go quick here. What is your favorite win total play on the board? And then not necessarily who you think is going to win the conference, but your favorite futures ticket that you're potentially holding to win the Mountain West. My favorite feature is Fresno State, uh, plus 300. Very confident they're going to win it, so I'm going to take it. Wyoming under five. This team is going to be a nightmare. All, the vibes are bad. Tate team's bad. They got no players left. None of the fans are listening because they all transferred to better teams. So Wyoming under five is, is my best bet. For me, there's no – actually, there's no Mountain West futures. I mean, I did put a little bit on, on uh, San Jose State, but I will just stick with best bet being over six and a half at plus money. I would probably do it to minus 130, uh, you know, and that's – it's just a really, really watered-down schedule with six games are absolutely going to have no problems winning. And then Nevada under five. I mean, this is exactly everything you look for in an under. Coaching change, scheme change, personnel change, transfer portal has depleted them, and non-scholarship players in the two deep. You couldn't ask for anything more. Under five, big on the Nevada Wolfpack. I'll turn to the Mountain Division for both here. Uh, I'm all in on this Air Force team. So much continuity year over year. I love what they're able to do. They're able to protect their defense with the way that they you know, control the clock. And their defense was very good against the run last year. I think they're going to be in every single game this year, have an opportunity to get to double digits to potentially win the conference. It's going to be an interesting you know, conflict of styles in the title game, at least the one I'm projecting between Fresno State and Air Force. And then we get to talk up the G5 heroes, the players we love, the teams we love. Sometimes it feels good to just be a hater. And New Mexico is not good. And two and a half is too many. So I'm going to go under there and I'm going to get to root like hell for the main black bears in the opener. And that's going to be some exciting football for me. That's going to be one of the games where my wife's going to ask, hey, what are you watching? And then I have to lie just because it's too embarrassing to say out loud. So that's how we're going to end the podcast this week. This has been the Big Bets on Campus Pod. We are going to be back with more content uh, coming out over the next week. August 8th, by then, we will have wrapped all of our G5 previews. We're going to have more from Colin, from Stucky, from Brett McMurphy. So much content coming before the first uh, ball is kicked off in week zero. So please be checking your feeds, refreshing. Like, share, tell a friend, tell an enemy. You know how to do it. We want to get the good word spread. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and thanks for listening. 